Chapter 7 Grim Omens October 1773 Now you know the route, and you know the target. Good luck, Thomas says, trying to reassure Adahi, giving him a head nod. I do. Thank you. I will see it through, Adahi replies with the stern words and a return head nod in agreement. Adahi clicks his teeth and pulls the reins, moving Raven west toward Watertown. The beautiful black horse stands tall and proud with Adahi atop it. She loved Adahi, and he loved Raven. Their mutual bond stemmed from an instant connection many years prior. Remember, he's being kept at the town magazine! Thomas shouts Adahi, trying to reinforce the known plan like a worried parent. Adahi, without turning Raven around, turns his head sideways and slightly tips his tricorn hat, acknowledging his uncle's reminder. The slow gallop was enough. Adahi wanted to end this mission quickly. Yah! He shouts and clicks his heels against Raven, and she begins picking up her pace, striding into a run. Adahi's gear was fastened tightly to Raven's saddle as they begin their ride, making only impacting hoofs for local acoustics as the two make their way toward Watertown, with haste. Arriving at the outskirts of Watertown in just over 15 minutes from departing Thomas in the neck of Boston, they made good time. Raven is tired from the quick push through the almost 10-mile journey, and Adahi slows her down to a slow walk. He notices a hitching post with a water trough on the town's boundary line and decides to keep Raven there. He clicks his teeth, pulling the reins in to stop Raven just shy of the post, and hops off, hitching her to the wooden post. Alright girl, now my work begins, he says to the horse, placing his head on her head quickly and pets her snout before analyzing the layout of the town. Adahi grabs only his tomahawk and leaves his long muskets. He knows this needs to be silent. The bow, arrows, and quiver were safely secured to the saddlebag. He buttons his greatcoat to his nose, concealing his face, and begins walking into Watertown. Crossing his arms, he conceals his tomahawk in his wide sleeves, leaving no weapons visible. In moments, he finds his target destination and notices the town magazine. It was a local munitions building, and it held muskets, cannon, gunpowder, and now this wounded soldier for safekeeping. The building has two roving sentry guards outside. Their movements were complacent, and they were tired. Adahi recognizes instantly. Like a predator stalking his prey, he circles the building thrice as a casual citizen bringing no attention to himself, confirming only two guards outside. The cool air manages to breeze into the town, creating moving shadows from the trees. He waits for the perfect moment until the first guard roves into the darkness, entering Adahi's kill box. The kill is instant. The sound of the tomahawk slicing and severing the guard's spinal cord was quiet under the rustling trees. His body dropped in the shadows, and Adahi dragged him around the corner and behind the tree line. With the tomahawk stuck in his back, Adahi places his left foot in the dead guard and releases a wedged tomahawk from the crunching bones. The second roving guard would notice his companion was missing any moment. Adahi releases a blade for a second throw. Fiercely rotating in the night sky, the tomahawk slams into the upper half of the guard's back, dropping his body to the ground. Adahi repeats a process of tomahawk removal and hiding the body within the trees. In moments, both roving sentry guards were removed wholly from the operation. Adahi moved in quickly and quietly toward the front of the town magazine. The town was quiet as most of the townsfolk were sleeping. He peered around, completely to ensure no one was watching him. 
Seeing and hearing no one, he slips inside. It's warm indoors, and people are talking in the other room. He moves slowly, making his way deeper into the magazine. A door opens, and he stands up straight, trying to conceal himself behind the wall. A woman walks out with bloodied bandages on a tray and heads into the other room, not noticing Adahi. With the door closing slowly, he silently holds it and moves in sneakily behind her and into the room. With his back to the bed, he shuts and locks the door. Adahi unbuttons one button in the midsection of his greatcoat, then withdraws his smaller, fighting fox blade from the opening. You're here to kill me? The wounded corporal whispers from the bed in a weak voice. I am, Adahi says plainly, turning around slowly toward him. Killing me won't stop. What's coming? You think you're damaging our majesty with your minor car caravan attacks and shipment disruptions? <coughs> He whispers, followed by a few violent coughs. Nothing will matter for you soon, Adahi says coldly with an eerie stillness in his eyes. Death, <coughs> death comes for us all. That I can take. <coughs> the coughing erupts again. But death <coughs> won't save you from him. Killing me doesn't change the outcome. <coughs> Not for you. Not for him. <coughs> the man tries to finish without coughing. Whoever is coming is irrelevant. It is no concern of mine, Adhi says, forcing the blade into the man's chest under his arm in a soft spot. It will be. He gasps, staring through Adahi as the life leaves his body. Adahi removes his blade and cleans it on the sheets and sheaths it back into the leather chest rig, buttoning back the gray coat. He opens a door, peering into the candle-lit magazine. The voices are still murmuring in the other room and around the corner as Adahi makes his way out of the building and into the shadows of the town from which he came. Within seconds, Adahi unhitches Raven and begins a smooth ride back to Boston. A few strides into the quiet, slow ride back, and he hears it. The female nurse shouts from inside the magazine. Her high-pitched shrill is heard throughout the town. The commotion awakens a sleepy town into a hurried nighttime frenzy as Raven and Adahi casually embark back to Boston, into the darkness. The return ride to Boston was smooth, and Adahi passed two other riders in the night along the road. He took his time returning to Boston. The killing had its own psychological effects, and Adahi was not immune. Death won't save you from him, repeated in his head. The dead man's words fluttered around in Adahi's mind as he lost track of time while Raven trotted down the road. Death won't save you from him. Time seems to pass on the hardened clay road as the treetops blending with the stars. On a hill just outside of Boston, Adahi sees a sun breaking the horizon, informing him of the new day. He clicks his teeth and Raven begins a sprint down the hill on the main road leading into Boston. He quickly made his way to the rancid alley where the closed tavern was located. He hitches Raven to the hitching post and leads down to the stairs to the entrance corridor. The dark room is lit by one almost expended candle in the corner, just enough light for Adahi to see the outline of the door leading to the great room. He enters to see the King's Bane drinking coffee and tea by the fire. Ah, he returns! Shakespeare proclaims loudly, standing up, placing his tea on the table. Thomas stands up from the chair and anxiously turns to Adahi. Is it done? Adahi nods. Everything went according to the plan.
Was he awake? Thomas asked. Yes. Although he said something that stuck with me. Death won't save you from him. He was speaking of someone he was afraid of and that we should all fear as well. Who in the king's ranks ignites that sort of fear? Thomas asked Adahi with genuine word of concern. Thomas halts his excitement, sits back down, and knows of only one man in the British military who rates such a reaction. Major General Agador Ivy, Thomas says grimly. <laughs>